Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week, oh, I'm excited to have her back. She won our hearts and the third series of Big Brother 20 years ago, going on to build a really impressive career as a presenter, DJ, and now a Sunday Times best-selling author. Emerging triumphant from the Big Brother house in 2002, she started working first as a DJ on Capital FM before moving on to Kerrang! and most recently Virgin Radio, where she's only recently stepped back to spend more time with her family. In 2018, she became engaged to Martin, better known as Bodge or The Handsome. And a year later, they started a whole new, huge life chapter as they questioned becoming parents, with Bodge keen, desperate even, to start a family, and her having always been upfront about the fact that she never wanted to be a mum, really questioning whether or not it was for her. It was a conversation they shared on their podcast, Maybe Baby, as they weighed up the pros and cons before ultimately taking the plunge and becoming parents to Noah, who's now 14 months old. She's charted her journey through it all with a book by the same name, Maybe Baby, on the mother side, sharing with brutal honesty the fears, realities, highs and lows of becoming a parent. I can't wait to talk to her. Let's dial her up. It's Kate Lawler. How are you? Oh my goodness. I feel like I've just been on This Is Your Life with Michael Parkinson. You've just basically told the whole story there. 
I know. Well, not quite all of it, but there's a lot of it there, Kate. I mean, really remarkable. 20 years ago, there you were, bouncing off the walls in Elstree in a house in a car, corner of a car park. And Oh, mate, 20 years ago, you just reminded me. It was... I can't actually believe it's been that long. That really yeah. makes me feel old. And makes me realise how young I was doing yeah. that show, but how I also felt... Re I felt like I was really old. I felt like I was really grown up and mature and had my head screwed on. I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue. Well, that's, that's what being in your 20s is, isn't it? Feeling like yeah. you've got all the answers, but realising as you sort of nosedive into your 30s that actually you still haven't bothered to read the questions. <laughs> <laughs> You've hit the nail on the head there, but I but I loved that I did Big Brother in my twenties. It was the it was the kind of mm. show that you needed to do at that age. Like there was a reason that Sandy jumped over the wall and left the house because he was much older than all of us, and he just didn't fit in. I felt like he thought he felt mm, I, sh I don't know if I fit. and then, I mean there would be nothing wrong with somebody that age being in a house with loads of younger people, but I just felt like he wasn't his thing at that time. We were all so young and all we wanted to do was have fun, whereas he was at the age where I just wanted to sit back and drink a scotch. But yeah, I, I um, God, I look back with that, on that show with such fond memories. And I, um, yeah, I think 20 years this year, we should do something to celebrate, really. I said to you Alison should. about it. Yeah, I mean, your, your, your year was vintage, right? Talking mm -hmm. about wine. I mean, I know we should be talking about the baby and the book, and we're going to come to that because, you know, becoming a parent's been massive. But actually, all of this brings me into my first question, so let me just dive in, because it all sits around big decisions, right? Looking back over your life, one of your first big decisions was the decision to enter the Big Brother house. Mm -hmm. you, you had a job in IT. You were, you know, you had a sensible job in a sensible world. Kate. Yeah. And then, and then you went into the Big Brother house with like Adele, Alison Hammond. You won the series. You won our hearts. Life changed forever. But it was a risk, right? It was three series yeah. in. You knew that it wasn't like, oh, we didn't know what was going to happen. You knew what you were doing. So mm. I wondered, on the back of that big decision and, and the fruit that it's yielded, when else have you made a big, bold call in life and it's paid off big time? It's interesting that you say that because it was only yesterday that I was thinking about big decisions that I've made in my life and so many of them, and I don't know if I'm the only person that has done this throughout their life, but so many of the big decisions I've made in my life that have, all of them have paid off in some way, shape or form and to a positive extent, but they've all been based around fear. And I feel like everyone at some point in their life makes a decision based around fear, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. But I, I genuinely did fear going into Big Brother because the psychologist said to me, you've got a pretty stable life and I feel like you've got a good job and family and friends and I don't think there's anything missing in your life. And I was like, £70,000, mate, that's what's missing. So like, I, would, <laughs> I would genuinely, like, I'd love that money so yes. I could buy a flat. Like that, but... That kind of, I, I was scared to, to say yes to going into Big Brother once, he, once they said to me, do you want to be a housemate? Because I thought, what if it all goes wrong? Like, he warned me that he was still treating previous housemates for psychological distress because of the, the abuse they've got after the show and how it didn't work out for them or they thought that it would, you know, bring, uh, you know, stuff to their life that they never had before and it didn't. So th that was a kind of decision based on fear, but it worked out for me. But there was obviously, you know, there were highs and lows, yeah, that's interesting that they kind of put that in front of you because I suppose they were learning as well. At first, winner was Craig, mm. wasn't it? 
Yeah. Um, he went on to have, you know, a, a really lovely time on telly building and now mm-hmm. continues to do bits and pieces, but it's fundamentally yeah. still doing what he did by trade yeah. building. Who won the second series? I can't remember. Brian Dowling won the second series. Of course. Lovely Irish course. Brian Dowling, who had a great, like, career off the back of that. Uh, do you remember he was mm. on SMTV with Kat Dealey? Like, That's right. He was mainstream telly. And he, I think he had a stint of hosting Big Brother as well. He did. He did. So then, actually, when you look back at that, oh, you, I suppose you were going in there thinking, well, they seem all right. They seem happy. But there must have been, there must have been housemates that didn't. No, of course. There were warnings from Brett, the psychologist. I remember he saw me twice. He, he advised me to watch the show on the, like the VHS uh, highlights show, uh, um, videos that you used to get after the series had finished because I hadn't actually watched the show before, but I knew about it because it was everywhere. I know, it's a long story. My twin sister was an addict and she was supposed to apply and then she didn't, so I just did. But, but he said, look, if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. And when I watched the videos, I was like, this looks brilliant. I thought it looked like a right hoot and a great opportunity to win some money to buy, put myself on the property ladder. But he said... You know, it can go wrong. Nasty Nick has received terrible abuse. He had to go oh, into yes. hiding. You know, that he was a front page, you know, national tabloid, like, disgrace. People really went for him. And, you know, he was talking about treating patients because of depression and anxiety they were getting after the show. So there were warnings, but I was confident in myself that I wouldn't come across like that. But you just never know. And so when I did get the call and they asked me to be a housemate, I thought, oh, just thinking about what Brett had told me. Like, he's got to do his job. They have to warn you that, you know, if you don't mm. win, you might be booted out first. It might ruin your life. But I just thought to myself, I have to take this opportunity because if I'm watching the show, knowing that I've been offered a place and I said no, I'd probably regret it for the rest of my life. So I'm glad I took that decision. But then but then after that, I think the next big decision I made was to move to Birmingham to start a job in radio. Mm. In 2007, I was DJing and... You probably know this as well as I do, but with with DJing, the lifestyle that comes with it is pretty hedonistic and wild, and it can lead you down a road that um, c- can get you into a lot of trouble. I was, you know, when you DJ in clubs, you're fueled with alcohol, the promoters will get you whatever you want, and then they'll take you to after parties, and you're still awake on a Sunday night thinking to yourself, what am I doing with my life? And so I was at a place where I was traveling the world, DJing, and getting myself into terrible messes. In a way, I don't regret this, right? Because I had a really good time in my 20s, but it was a hedonistic, absolutely chaotic, wild ride. Um, and I was and I was in with the wrong crowd, but the right crowd. So I loved, I met a lot of people who were party, party animals. That's all they wanted to do because they were in their 20s, right? And I encourage anyone to party in their 20s, but to an extent now, like I would, I would sit down with Nora and have these conversations with her when she's at the age where she wants to go raving because... It terrifies me to think that she might get into a mess like I got myself into. And I saw my friends hospitalised in comas because they'd overdosed. It was horrendous. So, and I thought to myself, I need to get out of this life. Like, where is this taking me? I'm I'm on a, like, a one-way path to self-destruction. Like, I am, I am caning it every weekend. I'm feeling depressed in the week. I'm sitting in bed eating cereal out of a box, downloading tunes for my next set. But it's not really the life that I imagine I want to live the next 10 years like I'm not going to be doing this in my 30s like so I knew when I was offered a job in radio but it was a move to Birmingham in a city where I didn't know anybody it was like what do I do it's a really scary decision I'm going to move away from my friends and my family and I'm going to live in a city where I don't know anybody but it's a chance to start a new career and quit the DJing and become more wholesome and get a career because you know after Big Brother there was a huge 
rush of jobs and work and then that kind of dried up by the next series and then you're like what am I going to do now and I I took it upon myself to learn to DJ and did that for a few years but my family and friends were really pushing me to stay in London they were like don't go to Birmingham we'll miss you and I'm like I had to do what I thought was best for my myself my mental health my physical health my career and so I took that leap of faith and moved to Birmingham and started working in radio and dropped the DJ and became the wholesome version of myself that I knew was inside me all along no, but I'm really glad I did. I'm you found just... your inner avocado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I basically dined out on avocados for the next four years. Got a dog, you bought a house. Yeah, exactly. But Kate, you know what? That is a, I mean, that's an extraordinary sort of chapter in your life. Mm. And to walk away from it, that shows real resilience because... Like you say, you know, if there's a lot of partying going on, people very, very rarely want to leave the party because, you know, if you're if you're getting yourself in all kinds of messes and pickles, there's always a reason to keep staying. There's mm. always, oh, let's just one more, one more night or, you know, and it becomes normal not to go to bed. Yeah. And it becomes, you know, and that DJ lifestyle is... It's tiring. I mean, gosh. Exhausting. The travelling, you know, mm. you're, you're going yeah. from one city to the next, maybe even one country to the next. Um and it's just, it's late nights. Your set's at one in the morning. Your set's at two in the yeah. morning. You know, you're not... Well, the more successful you are, the later you go <laughs> on, you know. Yeah. I mean... So true. I've done it. I have done a gig sober, but it's just not the same. Like, it's it's a strange experience when you are playing to 2,000 people who are all drunk, high, whatever, hands in the air, and you're like... It's it's hard to get on that vibe, but like you need at least mm. a white wine or a vodka soda light. Do you know what I mean? You need one drink to just, yeah. just loosen up. But also it's the timing and the travel and just, you know, living out, you know, living out of hotels and not eating well. It's messy. It's messy, yeah. And it was not sustainable. And I knew that if I carried on doing this, I'd either just like end up, you know, I don't know where I would thought I would end up. But I but it was a big life decision to move to Birmingham. And it's starting it's starting my career in radio and I actually think that it paid off. Oh, big time. You're brilliant on the radio, Kate. And you know what? I Thank think you. as well, I think you exceeded so many people's expectations because of the reality TV tag, the big brother thing. Yeah. You're fabulously funny. You can keep any conversation moving. You have a magnetism about you that, that travels into people's ears on the airwaves. And you're a bit of a revelation. And, and when somebody like, you know, Chris Evans, you know, thinks the world of you, he's he's a bit of a don in the old broadcast world. Yeah. But yeah, it is, you know, and, but you know what? You started, you started at the bottom of the ladder. You moved to a new city. Mm. You did the unpopular shifts. You learnt your craft. And, and not a lot of people do that, Kate. Mm. Yeah, and I, like you said, it's, um, there is that tag as well, the expert, you know, the presumption that because you are on a reality TV show that you couldn't possibly know how to DJ or you couldn't possibly yeah. like rock music. I remember I started at Kerrang! and they were playing heavy metal, but they were actually changing their remit. So Kerrang! magazine is just metal, death metal, like ska, like punk, everything rock and roll. But Kerrang! radio, when I went there, they were starting to introduce bands like Stereophonics, Oasis, Coldplay. And it was a real battle between the magazine and the radio station. So I was like, these aren't in line but actually, I really liked the music, but I was introduced to bands like Foo Fighters, who I'd never even heard of. I couldn't believe it. But I, I they become my favourite band. But I got so much abuse on text when I first joined, going, you're from Big Brother. You don't like rock music. You play. Oh, that was it, because I was DJing at the time. They were saying, well, you DJ techno and house music. You can't like rock. 
And I thought to myself, what a narrow-minded opinion. Like, how can you say that because somebody DJs a certain genre of music that they're not allowed to like another genre? You know, I so I had to shake off that because it was like, well, because you DJ house music and techno, you don't like rock music. When I genuinely did, like, the first album I ever bought was Oasis. What's the story, Morning Glory? I loved indie. I didn't necessarily like rock music. But, you know, I grew up with rock music. So I, it was... It was kind of an education being at Kerrang Radio, but I had to shake off that tag. And also when I learned to DJ, you know, a lot of people would come to clubs expecting me to play like S Club 7 because I was in Big Brother and they didn't realise that I was about to drop the dirtiest, disgusting, ear-bleeding, nose-bleeding techno set and I would, they would be terrified of what I was DJing. So it was quite hard to shake off the Big Brother. <laughs> I'm not going to play all commercial house. I'm just going to go for what I, you know, what I believe in. Um but yeah, like it's quite nice, though, isn't it, to defy people's mm. expectations of you? Yes, because quite that. often all you can do is impress because they're not really expecting much in the first place. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much been the story of my career, to be honest. <laughs> but isn't it great? I feel like mm. it's such a it was such a moment that I feel really like proud to be part of because I feel like mm. at that time it was just. The, the height of reality TV, we, we were like, it was a national obsession. Shows like Pop Idol, shows like Big Brother. It was a national obsession and it was the start of the reality TV era. And it was just great to be part of the beginning, like the, you know, the, the inception of that, yeah. wasn't it? Like we, it just, I look gotcha. back with such fond memories. And there was a time where I, I felt a bit of, oh, shame that I was on Big Brother. But it's come kind of full circle now that it's, you know that it's kind of it's 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 vintage now. Whereas I think in two thousand and five, oh, yeah. I was a bit like, oh gosh, I was on Big Brother. I don't know why I felt embarrassed, but like I look back now and just think, wow, what a t what a time that was. But I think it's only now that you can look back and reflect on like what a moment we were having mm. as like a country with the reality TV that we were putting out. Like it was fantastic because there was nothing else like them. That's why it was exciting. Like no. now. So I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna pop at any of these shows, but when something like, you know, Starstruck comes on the telly or like the masked singer, they're exciting, but like it you don't get that wow because it's it's kind of like rehashed versions of shows that have already been on. There's not that yeah. even though they're all unique in their own way, there's just not that feeling like that No, I mean Big Brother was yeah. different. It really was. And you had to, also it was a non streaming world that we lived in, so you had to yeah. be home to watch Big of Brother. Course. So you'd leave the pub to go home. There was and no watch social Brother. media. Do you know what I mean? Everything that happened, you nope. would read about in the paper the next day, or Heat magazine, or yeah. OK magazine. Yes. And it was magazines, papers, no internet, really, no phone. We only had phones for like no nope. phones and texts, uh, calls and texts. But it was yeah, that's why it felt like such a great, oh, nostalgic period of my life because it, life was yeah. more simple back then and. Um, yeah, you're right. It was an event. You had to be home. Yeah. Yeah, you had to be home. Right? It became part mm. of your day and part of your then all day conversation. Did you see it last night? But also, I think a lot of the tasks were things like, you know, just watching you organise the shopping list. <laughs> there was nothing cynical about it. There was no, it wasn't, it, it wasn't done to engineer friction or tension. It was just a bunch of bored people trying to order food no, it's crazy, one. isn't it, what people used to watch? And it was like the time when they'd stream 24 hours a day on E4 and you could watch us sleep. And people used to come up to yeah. me after Big Brother and say, I watched you sleep for about three hours. And like, you weren't even doing anything, you were just asleep. But I'd still watch the live stream in case anything happened because I was so obsessed with your series. It's mad, isn't it, that people would watch a bunch of people yeah. on telly sleeping. But we used to do it on Pop Idol. I did the ITV2 show. 
And it was really rushed to air. Like, no, we'd never done a show like, there's never, there'd never been a spin-off show before, right? And then I think Pop Pop Idol had been on air six weeks and it was really big. And I get a call, and Simon Fuller, Simon Cowell, ITV going, right, we're going to do this Pop Idol Extra. And I was like, what's it going to be? They're like, don't really know. We're just going to just wing it. So basically what it was was 12 hours a week of me Walking around with the film crew in the rehearsal studios or after the shows, literally just just walking around going, right, we're going to go over to Mike Dixon at the piano now. He's uh, just warming up Darius. And we just watched that for about eight minutes, then come back to me and I go, oh, Gareth's having a coffee. Gareth, how are you today? And then we did Honestly, it was paint drying, but people watched in their millions. Yeah, I loved the extra shows. You always wanted to see what was going on. Sometimes they were better because you just you felt like you were just getting behind the scenes gossip that you couldn't get anywhere else. It was unbelievable. You could you had access to these people, but only via the telly because there was no social media. So, yeah, such good yeah. time. Sometimes, in some ways, it was sweeter times, wasn't it? Definitely. So that's so the big move to to, to so the, the decision to go into the Big Brother house is a huge decision. The decision to quit DJing. Mm to become a broadcaster, yeah. effectively, huge. And then most recently, you stepping back from radio. That must have been a big one as well because you've really had to earn your place for that audience, Kate. And um, that, must have been, that must have been a tricky one. It was. There was something I thought long and hard about and I was really excited to go back to work even though I was terrified about leaving Noah. But I mm. went back and I went back at exactly the same time as I, I just started writing the book um so there was a lot of things happening at once I was just coming out of the postnatal depression and then I went back to work started writing the book and I was trying to make everything work while also trying to do other jobs so it wasn't you know Mm. doing radio 10 years ago was my only job but now I just I do so many other things I was trying to make everything work and I was putting my relationship with Bodge at the bottom of the priority pile and so not connecting, not talking, because I would have Noah in the mornings until lunch and then childcare would arrive and I'd go to work and then I'd get home at eight and then I'd have to do things like my VAT or I'd have to do a brand post or I'd have to edit something for Instagram or I'd have to reply to loads of people that I hadn't spoken to. Like, and there was just always something. And so then I'd go to bed at night and I hadn't even spoken to Bodge all day because of everything that was going on. So I tried to make, I tried to make the radio work with the book and with all the other jobs and with also spending time with Noah and while trying to make my relationship work with Bodge and something I had to give. And I just, I thought long and hard about it and had conversations with Bodge and we just agreed that we thought it was time that I took a break from radio because it's something that I can always go back to, but it's also the thing I've done the longest. And I just thought, you know, now, you know, you're talking, I've done a lot of podcasts recently and they were all before I quit radio. So you're talking to me now after my first week of having time off from virgin and i've had a really great week and bodge noticed the difference in me you know i had therapy on i think it was wednesday and she said to me diana she's so lovely she said don't worry if you don't feel different straight away it might take a bit of time for you to you know readjust your new life with you know not doing the radio but i can already within a week i know that i feel better and that i feel like i can breathe and i feel happier and me and bodge are better and I've just had such a great week with Noah and I've not had any childcare this week because Bodge's mum has been on holiday. So normally she comes two days a week so I can do bits and bobs. But even without childcare, I've loved every minute. And, you know, nine months ago, Kate, even six months ago, I, I wouldn't have been able to say this because I was in such a mess and I never thought I'd be happy again and I never thought I would spend a day with Noah where I didn't cry or... Do you know what I mean? So, 
yeah, I feel like I've yeah. really come like quite a long way. And I think the decision to leave Virgin, even though it was a big decision, it felt it didn't feel so enormous as it might sound because my boss Mike was so understanding. And yeah, the door was open. He said the door is open whenever you want to come back. So it makes it takes the pressure off me thinking, oh, have I made the right decision? Because I know that I can go back when the time is right, when Noah perhaps starts school or whatever. Do you know, all I can say is sitting here today at 49 years of age with a 13-year-old downstairs, I, I, I did a lot of this when my son was tiny. I said no to huge shows, big opportunities. I said yes to some and really regretted them because what I decided at the end of the day was I've got one baby, I get to raise him once. I've made a million TV shows, I'll make more. Yeah. But for me, I had to listen to my gut. It yes. made me very, very unpopular at times. Um and possibly cost me in my career opportunities. But those nights when I lie in bed now with anxiety and perimenopause or whatever it is that's keeping me awake at night, the things that soothe me are the memories of all the moments that I was there. Mm. And I'll never regret them, Kate. So I hope that provides some comfort. It really does. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, fair play to you as well for giving that up because it, they're huge decisions you have to make, but something has to give. And you're never going to regret, like, you're replaceable on a TV show that you say no to, totally. but you're not replaceable And at they home. will replace you. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no, it's business at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah, but you're not replaceable you know, as a mum. Like, you're not replaceable yeah. as a mum. Like, you, your child needs you, and the more time you spend with your child, the better relationship you're going to have. And, and, you know, unfortunately for some people, you know, someone commented on a post I did the other day about my first week off, and they said, I'd love to be able to afford to do this, and I felt bad, and I... I felt bad for all the parents that can't actually afford to take that time off. It's such, it's such, man, childcare is so expensive. And for some parents, it's like they work all these hours to pay for childcare. And it's like, mm. my friend was half tempted to not go back to her job as a pediatric yeah. nurse because she said, all the hours I am working, I'm paying for childcare. I may as well not work and spend that time with my kids. Like, I don't understand what I'm doing mm. here. It's so hard. It is, you're right. And I, you know, I sound very privileged sat here going, I turned down some big jobs and I, you know, but you know, that, that, that is, but I can only give my experience, which is now, you know, I'm so glad that I, I kept my hand in, you know, I took jobs that worked for my yeah. life rather than making my life work for my job. And I'd never done that. I was a workaholic, a complete career girl. Yeah. Um, I hadn't anticipated that I would fall in love with being with, with with him and being his mum so much mm -hmm. and even now I walk down the road that that leads to what, what was his primary school and I can still close my eyes and feel his little hand in mine oh, his hands are bigger darling. than mine now so sweet so I promise you you know you are investing in your heart yeah with decisions like that I think it's, it's not and it's not the same for everybody no also what I will not. say is for all those all you know on that childcare thing you're so bloody right I've got a lot of friends who have now got children the same age as me that didn't go back to work because the finances didn't make sense yeah. it made more sense for them to stay at home now they've got really low confidence they're missing out on a huge amount of skill sets that have evolved through technology over the last 10 years and they're finding it really hard to go back to being a working woman again it's so you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't yeah it's a bitch that's the um oh, it's 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 so tough when you want to be a parent but you want to also have another job because being a parent is a full-time gig in its in itself right so if you you know we can have 
you can have both, but it does come at a cost. And I think, you know, people like Anna Whitehouse, whose mother pucker on Instagram does so much for parents who want to work flexibly. And more companies are actually making it easier for parents to work at home, especially with the pandemic proving that you can do your job from Mm. your home while looking after a kid or whatever at the same time. But, you know, it does still come at a cost. I still had to stop Virgin because I couldn't make it work with Noah. You know, I still had to say goodbye to that income and that part of my career because I wanted and I'm like you I never ever thought that I would want to spend so much time with no I thought that I would be be wanting to go back to work and having that break to in order to make me be a better mum but I actually really do love spending time with her especially now that she's in age where she's giving so much back and she's hilarious and she's developing her personality but something always has to give and I feel terribly sorry for the for the parents who have uh, given up their careers who then now feel like they've kind of you know that they're they're lacking in those qualifications or the you know the knowledge of what their job entails now like 10 years down the line and confidence really you know you know it's even knowing things like you know how to how to use social media if you haven't been in that working world where like for us socials are just you know it's another business channel yeah but if you have if you know if you've just been on facebook uh, and you know just chatting to your mates and then you go into a job where you're required to know about tiktok and snapchat yeah. or for example it's like uh, it's another language yeah the world's changed rapidly um you know the when you think about the industrial revolution versus versus the digital revolution <laughs> it's outperforming it at a rate of knots and we're all struggling to mm. keep up let alone those of us that have been working from home, raising a family, and that is still a job. Oh my god, for sure. Yeah, I was very naive in thinking that being a parent was not a full time job. I used to mock my twin sister and say, "Because she's oh, you horrible to your sister." Cause she, cause she, I was so mean to her. She was like, "You were such a bitch. I'm a full time mum on her Facebook page, and I was like, "You take your kids to the park." I was so out of all. I had no idea what I had no idea what being a parent entailed and I was like oh you just sit at home and take kids to the park and you're not but it is so full-on and demanding and there's just especially when you are a doer and you want your house to look tidy all the time and you want your house to be clean and you want you don't want your washing piling up like Bodge always reminds Mm -hmm. me that that stuff can wait and I shouldn't worry about it too much but I'm I always then remind him that a tidy home is a happy home (laughs) And I'm never, yeah. I'm never happier than when my house is tidy. So I'm always tidying it. And I'm always cleaning and I'm always doing the laundry. Um, but I think it is really important to follow your gut. Um, so that decision that I've made, I think, I mean, it's only been a week. It might change next week, but I feel like it's paying off already because I've had a great week with Noah and I've, I'm spending quality time with her instead of rushing around in the mornings, getting her dressed feeding her breakfast, getting the dogs breakfast, showering, get, taking them all for a walk in the park, bathing the dogs when I get home. And then by that time, it's her lunch and I'm putting her down and then I'm off to work. And I don't really spend quality time. I didn't anyway when I was on the radio because then I'd be off to work and I wouldn't mm-hmm. get home to eight o'clock at night. So I feel really grateful that I've been, you know, that I, that I can afford to make it work <laughs> and to spend more time with her and actually have other avenues of um, income that mean I can work more flexibly around Noah as well. Yeah. You will. You're doing it. Yeah. You're already doing it. High five yourself, sister. I know. Right, let's talk babies. Question number two <laughs> coming up. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Baby Baby, um, the podcast, you shared huge debates with Bodge about whether or not you, you were going to have children mm-hmm. and they were really difficult conversations. They don't get much deeper um, or more difficult than that because he really wanted to persuade you to come to the mother side, <laughs> I know. which ultimately you did. <laughs> but um, I wanted to know from you, between you, how is it, I mean, you talk about the fact that it's impacted your relationship with him and it's put the two of, I think what it can sometimes do is put you both at the bottom of the list. Um, how has parenting and the decision to become a parent impacted you as a couple? It's been, oh my goodness me, since we became parents, our relationship has changed so much and I want to say for the better, mm. but sadly, we both know, and the thing is we're acutely aware of this, that we are, that we haven't prioritised our relationship at all and we know that we need to take steps to improve it. We're getting married in two months, and we've actually had like the hardest year as a couple so far. Um, but it's not like we didn't have a baby, and we didn't have this huge life change, and we had a bad year. You know, we know that it's because we became parents, and your life changes monumentally when you become parents, yeah. especially when you've gone your whole life. Like, I didn't have a baby in my 20s. I I waited 40 years, you know, I, I, I spent so long just being a dog mum and having the freedom, you know, financial freedom and, you know, going on holidays where we could just go to adults only resorts and we loved it. And, you know, just going out. <laughs> yeah, those days are gone, babe. Devastated. And whenever we wanted and just being <laughs> free and being just us with the dogs. And so it was just a huge shock because... I was confident that I would love every second of being a new mum and that I would, because I I had a really good pregnancy and I just felt really ready for it. But the reality was so far from what we see on social media. And mm. and also, it I wasn't prepared for the seismic shift in our relationship and what it would do to our relationship. I never... I thought it would change my life, me personally, but I didn't think about how much it would affect us as a couple. Even though I had friends 
giving me advice saying, look, you're both going to say things that you don't mean when you're in those newborn days. You're both yeah. going to be more tired than you've ever been before. Try not try to yeah. draw a line of whatever's happened at the end of each day and start fresh the next day because you just have to remember why you did this in the first place, right? And we always remind ourselves why we had Mara in the first place because we love each other and we look at her now and we're just like, how have we made this perfect little person? Like, she's incredible. And she's enriching our lives in more ways than we've ever thought possible. But we only went out, we went out for a curry the other night because I pointed out that since Noel was born a year ago, we've only been out on our own on a day twice. It's not good enough. Like, a twice is... But it's like finding the time to do that, Kate, especially when you mm. start doing work. And if you've got the time, you go, I don't want to go out tonight. <laughs> I just want to go and sit in the bath. I just want so to read true. a book. I just, you know, I actually don't want to talk to you. Yeah. You annoy me. I, I can't <laughs> be bothered like to put that. on makeup and find something to wear. <laughs> I want to go and sit in my pyjamas <laughs> and read. But yeah, exactly that. And so we'd only been out for our anniversary in June, which was March, April, May, June. Four months after Noah was born, we went out. To Galvin La Chapelle, we got all dressed up and went out on a date. We spent most of it looking in on the monitor, like, oh, is she okay? Um, his mum was babysitting and <laughs> Big Brother Part Two. <laughs> oh my goodness me, a pair of us. And I was like, oh, let's just enjoy ourselves. But yeah, so it wasn't like, you know, we just haven't spent enough quality time together. And we've had, you know, really deep and meaningful conversations about how I've put my work before him and he pointed out very recently about you know the amount of work I've taken on and how I've just you know so the last week has been great because I've finished Virgin and I said honestly when I when I finish Virgin when I stop doing the radio I think I swear things will be different and so far so good this week has been brilliant we've been really close we've like both getting over COVID so we've been a bit poorly but we've been really in a good place where we've spoken we've been present with each other we're talking we're communicating you know we're like we're just better with each other. And I think that's because I have more time and I'm happier and I'm not worrying about something that I've got to do for work or worrying about mm. something that I've got to do with Noah before I go to work. So, yeah. It's, it's emotional bandwidth, isn't it? You need to yeah, take all of those to-do lists and shrink them to put your family first. It's really hard, Kate. I really feel for you. And don't forget, in amongst all of this, we've been living through a pandemic in which you've had a baby. I know. You've just come through COVID. You've had horrible experiences of postnatal depression, which should never be underestimated. You've gone back to work. You've written a book. You'd only just finished up doing doing your house up. Look who's stalking, Kate. Yes, I follow you on Instagram. I know. Uh, but it's a lot. It's a lot, darling. You've you've put a lot on your very tiny shoulders and you've bought, you've, you know, there, there are always going to be cracks at the end of that. So be kind to yourself. Thank you. That means a lot, Kate. I think, do you know what we did? <clears throat> it was Bodger's suggestion that we start couples therapy. And I can't recommend it enough because it's really helped us. Mm. You know, she's um, given us tools that we've applied when it comes to like, that feeling like when uh, an argument is brewing and you know that you're going to go down a road, which is going to lead to anger and shouting. So we're, we're really, really working on our relationship thanks to this lovely lady called Diana. But also... Um, the therapy as she, she she pointed out that we've both gone through so much in the past you're not just having a kid we moved house we renovated straight away and as soon as that was done we had Noah then obviously the postnatal hit Bodge was setting up his own company which is a big thing as well oh, wow. you know he's now running his own That's company huge. he quit his job or he got made redundant and then set up his own company so that was a big thing oh my and then, god and then I, you've had so I know, much going I know. on and then I went back to work and wrote the book so it's all just come to a head recently which is why I think I ended up in I ended up in hospital the other week I thought I was having a bloody heart attack Kate but I wasn't they they think it's stress I had like heart palpitations and I was I was on like I was 60 seconds into a dog walk and I couldn't breathe 
my rung bodge and I was like, I feel really tight in the chest, I had a pain in my arm and I was like, I don't know what to do and he said, just call the GP, see what she says and she was like, we can't get you in for a week. So I called my friend who's a nurse and she said, just go on to 111 online, filled on my symptoms and they were like, call an ambulance now and I felt really stupid calling an ambulance so I didn't and then I got home and I still had this pain in my arm and then it started to radiate into my other arm because I was like, I must have a trapped nerve but then it was both arms mm. and I still felt really like, short of breath I had heart palpitations and I ended up calling an ambulance but I was on the phone and I said I, I don't think I need an ambulance but it's telling me to so I told her my symptoms and she said let's send one because we just need to make sure you're not having a heart attack so then I phoned Bodge and told him and he said but you're not having a heart attack don't be silly and I didn't think I was either but when I got to the hospital they did loads of checks and ECGs and blood tests and they just said, it sounds, they said, we don't know you. We don't know whether you're stressed or not. Only you can tell us how stressed you are. And it was the week after the book launch where I was doing a lot of press and talking about the book and reliving those dark days of postnatal depression and yeah. how I felt and things I, you know, thought about myself, and Noah and my relationship. So maybe it was all of that combined. Bodge had COVID the week of the book launch and Noah was really poorly after her vaccinations that she'd had. So there was a lot going on. But I think all of the past two years had just come to a head. And I knew that I was I was leaving Virgin and I was like, I just need to just breathe. And so I think it was all just too much for me. And um, I left the hospital and they just said, look, we recommend having a 24-hour ECG just to make sure nothing's wrong with you. But we think it's probably stress-related. And I just thought, you know what, it has been a bit of a stressful period. Um, just too much work, not enough. Um, me feeling guilty that I'm not spending enough time with my daughter and feeling like I'm not spending enough time with Bodge and focusing on what's really important to me, and that's my family. And um, so now it's like it's like last Monday was the first day of like the new way of me living. And I really feel like I've I've cracked it and that leaving Virgin was the right decision at the right time. And I can now breathe a sigh of relief that I have a bit more time to do all these things that are important to me. Like I'm focusing on the wedding now. I'm planning the wedding. It's all about yeah. just like spending the next two months doing as little work as possible just to take a little breather and make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm happy on my wedding day. I don't want to feel like I've been feeling on my wedding day. I want to be a happy bride, do you know what I mean? It's, it's bandwidth, Kate. Mm. You're just overstretched. Sounds well, like it. I just want to give you a hug <laughs> because you're trying to be everything to everyone and then do. there's nothing left but for you. But we all do, don't we? we do. And I think that there needs to yeah. be this conversations about how much having a, ch a child can impact your relationship. And I felt really bad saying this to Bodge because I think he knew that I was going to say it. But I... Part of the reason why I didn't want a kid was because I was so scared of what it would do to our relationship and how damaged we would be as a result of having a child and not having time for us anymore. That I feel that he knew that I would, you know, when the arguments were brewing over the last year and I'd say, this is why I knew we shouldn't have had, and I hate saying, I hate myself for saying that because it's horrible for him to hear it. For me saying, like, I knew that it would do this to us. I knew that it would break us. I knew that we would end up like resenting each other and falling out and becoming like distant and you know being in like the worst place possible for a couple who are about to get married but we're like coming out of the other side we know what we need to do and we we we're, we're trying to like make sure that at the at the bottom of this that us going into our marriage we want to start on the right foot which is why we we, we just had decided therapy would be the best route for us and we would just focus on spending more time together as a family and less time on our phones and less time working in the evenings when we're supposed to be having like that quality time together but it does it does have an impact yeah. on your relationship it can break couples it can you know I've, I've read so much online about it and it's but it's hard because you love your children but it, it does genuinely put a strain on your relationship and anyone who says it doesn't 
is really lucky or they're not telling the truth. Really lucky or they're not telling the truth. You got it on one there. Okay, well, and, and, and do you feeling now that you've, um, you sound really content with your decisions and I, and I really hope you are because it sounds mm. to me like you're doing all the right things. Yeah, I am content. I'm definitely content. I feel grateful that I've been given other work opportunities that mean I can work, like I said, more flexibly, that I don't have these committed days. Yeah. Um, and so that's good. And there's a few other things that are coming up which I'm really excited about doing, but it's just, it's the freedom of being able to work for yourself, like podcasting, like Bodge and I are starting a new podcast soon but we've just we've decided ah. to wait until june he's like let's just can you just breathe for two months like you've taken the time of virgin so let's just have two months just wait to plan it rather than throw yourself the into it the world yeah will wait. he's like just yeah. yeah and there's a lot to be said like it's easier said than done when everyone tells you about self-care um but it's mm. but it's oh, but gotcha. it's so hard because you're just constantly stretching yourself like loads of plates spinning and making sure that everyone else is okay you sometimes forget that your own mental health is, is just as important as everybody else as everyone else around you you stop working it all falls down mm -hmm. right it's a house of cards and same with bodge you know that's why it's so important that you two yeah. are tight and that you two yeah, are aligned exactly. brings me really nicely to my final question because with maybe baby the podcast and in and as and aspects of the book um you were weighing up the pros and cons of becoming parents and you presented very strong arguments both of you and i wonder now as you sit here 12 months down the line with all that you've learned and loved and experienced which bits were you right about which bits were you wrong about and which bits could you never have seen coming <laughs> Oh my goodness, pros and cons of parenting. I remember doing this, um, of being parents. Um, I mean, we were definitely right about tiredness. And there was one person, what, just, I, I held on to this, one person who said to me, trust me, you won't be that tired. You'll sleep better when the baby comes. When I was pregnant, I was saying that I was really tired. Um, mm. I think we were right about the tiredness. I think we were right about it being really challenging on our... Uh, relationship bodge and myself um i never thought i gen i was wrong about you know not enjoy like not enjoying hanging out with kids like, i genuinely thought i wouldn't enjoy being around noah as much like i didn't think i was you know i'd enjoy i promised myself i would never go to a parent and baby group and i went to one on wednesday and i fucking loved it <laughs> <laughs> But I, I was wrong about that. I never thought I would dig that. But when I see how much she's enjoying herself, like there was a bit at the end of the group where it's an independent play. They say, right, parents, you have to put all your children in a circle and they have to play independently. And I'm like, you need to step back and go away. Like you see the really needy kids going, oh, mommy. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Put no in the circle. And she sat there at a ball pit. She was just giving out balls to everybody. And she was going, yeah, yeah. Like just giving out balls. And I was oh. like, oh, she's so beautiful. But also she... She really enjoyed it. I mean, I never <laughs> thought I would be that person. I was wrong to think that I would not enjoy, you know, doing the whole mum and baby thing. So I'm definitely wrong about that. Um, yeah. What else did we say? I mean, I don't know if we spoke about the financial burden that children are. Bloody hell, we spent so much on Noah. We just, every time somebody says, if you tried this, we're like, get on Amazon and buy it. We'll try anything. Literally. <laughs> Especially when it's teething oh and stuff gosh. like that. All the stuff that you just, just try anything. Yeah. 
Anything that's going to get you sleep, you'll throw money at, won't you? We've got three different types of thermometer in our house. We've got, like, the gun that you point to the head. We've got the temper dot you put under the arm. We've now got an ear. Barge went, Barge went, the one in the I ear? just heard um, someone on a podcast talking about an ear thermometer. And I was, I was like, you so I've bought it. She's absolutely terrified. She goes mental whenever you try and put it in her ear. What a waste of money that was. So I think we were right about the financial aspect of parenting. And how, yeah, it's a lot. Um, it is a lot. What I could never have seen coming, I think, is... Um, I guess I could never have seen the postnatal depression because even though I've experienced anxiety before I had Noah, I've always been an upbeat and outgoing and happy life and soul of the party kind of person. And I never thought that I would experience depression on that level. That hit me like a ton of bricks. I could never have seen that coming, especially seeing as I felt ready to become a mum and I enjoyed my pregnancy so much apart from the random, like, you know, the um, what they call symptoms that you get when you're pregnant. But I could never have seen postnatal depression I mean, that that I never saw coming and I it steals mm. you doesn't it? it it takes you under and it sucks all the joy out of everything that you, you're looking at your baby going I should feel joy yeah can't. The, there's everyone says that there's a common phrase isn't there like people say oh you wouldn't have it any other way you wouldn't have it any other way it's really hard it's the hardest thing but it's the most enjoyable thing you wouldn't have it any other way and I'm like in those first ones, I was like, yes, I would have it another way. I would basically like, turn back time and forget that this ever happened. Obviously, I don't feel like that now, but when you're in the, the, that, the, the deep, dark depths of depression, you kind of, your, your thoughts can't escape you. There's no, um, you can't help but feel those things. And you and now, like, you know, I feel terrible for thinking those things, but, um, but it's all part of the process. And I just think it's, um, it's more harmful to not have these conversations actually about, how postnatal depression can happen to anyone. It really it is. It's to one in ten women. It can happen to mm-hmm. dads as well. It can happen to carers, and it's perfectly normal. To, to, you know, to love. And I've never had a problem with bonding with Noah. I've loved her from the moment I knew I was pregnant. But you know, yeah, people are confused yeah. the two, don't they, Kate? They think that if you've got postnatal depression, that you don't, you don't have a yeah. bond with your child, or you are unable to feel love for your child, yeah. and that's not true. You might just feel horribly sad mm-hmm. and trapped, and stifled Mm -hmm. and lost and and it doesn't always happen straight away sometimes it could be a year down the line so don't think you know just because you're feeling a bit blue that oh i'm just a bit tired we 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 put a lot at the door of i'm exhausted Mm -hmm. i'm tired um it's it's hard it is hard and it can happen like you said it can happen at any time down that line it can happen immediately it can happen like after like after you've got through you could find the first six months of joy i know somebody else being to my podcast today found the first six months an absolute dream and then it hit her mm. and um and that, yeah i think that's why i wrote the book because one i wanted to you know i was hoping that i wasn't the only person who felt like this and two i wanted to kind of make others feel seen and heard if they if they too were feeling mm. like they they'd gone through the same thing or if they were struggling with the day-to-day experience of being a new parent um and it's hard, isn't it? When you want to speak, you want to share this stuff to be helpful, right? And then, but you're doing it at a time when you're, when you're still quite fragile, you're healing. And then you go, so once you get through that experience as you have, you then have to revisit it mm. to write about it, which kind of almost reawakens the, you know, it's, it's, you're, you know you're waking up that sleeping tiger mm-hmm. uh, and it starts to rear its head again. And then once it goes out into the wider world, I don't know, sometimes I just don't feel ready for the feedback, you know, <laughs> the... The keyboard warriors, the Karens, you know? <laughs> That's the thing with parenting. You experience so much of online and with friends and with family of 
opinion giving and people no no person has more opinions than a parent i do it as well my friend's pregnant and i'm like oh have you thought about Can't help it, can you? you do you're like oh god i'm doing that thing that i said but, uh, but it's, it's, and then you want to take them all the backs i don't want to be that person so that preaches no, and you're like oh but i wouldn't do that if i were you actually because actually probably we did it this way and that's the thing it's such a unique experience parenting but you have to just let people get on i'm, I'm trying not to be that person like all my friends that are pregnant at the minute i'm trying not to give all the advice or say oh, i wouldn't do it like this do that because you just have to do what works for you and you can take on mm. all the the thing is it's so overwhelming the advice you're given and the opinions like you'll put one thing on instagram and everyone's like what are you doing why have you not tried like why have you done that you know that it's not advisable to do this like, oh my goodness why have i shared that i'm like it's I know, I felt for you. I think you were gone out one day and you'd put a, a muslin over your, your pram. Okay. And literally, an army of Karens had been on going, she could, she could die. The thing is, what they didn't know is that we were walking at like nine in the morning. The sun was beaming, but it wasn't actually that hot. So we put the thing over for shade, but still, we, we soon realised that it's probably not the best thing to put over a pram because you, you can't actually, like, it's not very breathable. But then in the same breath, like, my mum said, but no, I used to put a blanket over your pram. <laughs> it was thick and you yes! were okay. But obviously times have changed now and you have to look at, like, safe sleeping and guidelines of, you know, everything like that. But, but that, of course. I, was, I, got, I got absolutely rinsed for that. People, yeah, I was really... I feel like saying, you know what? You know, like when, I, when my mum gave birth to me, they still had ashtrays built into the beds on the ward because they encouraged people to smoke through labour, Kate, right? And I'm not even 500. What? And, and I think I got brought home in the car and we didn't have seatbelts for the car seat. We don't even we had a car seat. I'm, We're all right. We've a very long way, haven't we? Our babies now are so monocoddled. Like, gee, they've got, like, there's no chance of anything happening, like... My goodness me. Yeah, hell hath no fury than the camera on the internet looking at your Instagram waiting for you to do something wrong or that's not safe. Like, I think I said about putting her in her own room at five months because we've got one of those monitors that come with a sock so it reads her stats, like her vital stats, sorry. And it's got um, like a heart rate and her oxygen levels. And because I just think she was ready at five months, I thought, well, we've got the monitor and it's on my phone and it's there. So I, if I, of course, because she's got that sock on, I know her, I'm ready to do it, but... I had a few Karens, like, it's at six months, actually. I don't think you're supposed to do that at five months. And I'm like, I know, it's a guideline, though, Kaz. But at the same time, social media yeah. can be really lovely because when you need help or you have a question or you're stuck or you're thinking... Oh, they're like, there, yeah. Noah's only got two teeth. And she's, 30, she's nearly 14 months. And I said the other day, she's only got two teeth. Like, is this normal? And loads of people messaged me saying... My son didn't have any teeth when he was six months, 16 months old, so don't worry about it. Or my daughter never had any teeth till she was 18 months. So, like, yeah, it makes it puts your mind at rest and it, puts, and it, and it, um, it helps you, you know, a lot in more ways. Than, yeah. So, you worry so much being a parent. You worry that something's wrong with your child every five minutes and that this isn't right. We need to go to Amy. We need to do this. Like, the amount of times Bodge and I have been like, this isn't right. This isn't right. We need to call somebody. And I run, ring my mate who's a nurse. And she's <laughs> like, it's fine. It's normal. We do panic, but I think it's yeah. normal for everyone. We do. I think it's normal. It's it's your right as a parent. Mm. Um, the book is doing so well. Congratulations, Kate. It's really honest. It's really funny. It's really engaging. All of the things that you are, and um, congratulations on making so many big, bold decisions. Um, I don't think you'll ever regret them. No, I hope I won't. I think you know there's been a few there's been a few comments, uh, and I know what they I know what they're trying to say from friends and from people I don't know. Like, oh, how do you feel about Noah? Like reading this book when she grows up. 
I feel like it's a bit of a loaded question because like they're basically like it's obvious one that like they're obviously trying to say like do you not think that she's going to be a little bit upset that you've written this book and I have to remind them that you know the postnatal depression isn't because of no it's the way I'm feeling like my thoughts if I wrote a book like my child sucks and I hate her then yeah they'd have they'd have a fair question but it's like you know every parent has not every parent I mean some parents have it cracked from day one no complaints whatsoever right about being a mum or dad they're very lucky but the amount of parents that I've spoken to from friends to family members who have since I spoke so candidly on social media from the from the very newborn days and since I released the book, who have come to me and said I felt exactly the same. And I said, with who? And they were like, oh, with my first. And I said, but you didn't tell me that. We didn't know that. Why didn't you tell any of us? Oh, because I felt bad because nobody else felt like that. And it's wrong for parents to shy away from telling and be, from being honest about how, how they're feeling if they're going through a hard time because it's totally normal. Like, you yeah. need to normalise the feelings... That, of, it's okay. of, of, that you might not enjoy every aspect of parenting in those newborn days. It's okay. And that's okay. You don't yeah. enjoy every moment with your... Sometimes your partner can be a bit of a dick and you love them, but they can be a bit of a knob. Boring. <laughs> sometimes at work, you might have a job you love, but you might work with somebody you don't like, or parts of your job you're like, I really don't like that bit of my job. Oh, this part of my job and I just not... You know, everything in life, like you might not like where... You, you might not like neighbours or you might not like the part of your street you live on. And everything in life... Everything in life comes with its pros and cons. And, like, being a parent is wonderful, it's magical. It is. I only understand what people said about it. You know, that common phrase where people say, it's the hardest thing, but you'll never any other way. It's the best thing you'll ever do. I only understand it now I've done it because I, I still look at Noah every single day. I can't wait to go into her room in the morning and wake her up. And she smiles at me. And she's, she's just such a cute little person. And she's perfect to me. Like, all parents think their kids are perfect, right? But... I just look at her and think, I'm so glad I've done this. Like, I'm exhausted. I am tired. I'm fragile still. I'm still learning the ropes. And there are days where I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. This morning, I drove her 25 minutes to Golders Green, swimming rocks, only to find it was closed for half term. Because I didn't know that it was closed for half term. I should know as a parent when half term is. I still don't know, Kate. I'm learning on the job. I drove her. You shouldn't, because she's not at school. Listen, I'm, I've got a kid at school and I don't always know when I'm done. Really so worrying. I'm trust me. I was like, hi, I'm here. No one's here. She's like, it's half time, Kate. It's the holidays. I was like, okay, I'll go home. Poor Noah had a 50 minute round trip in the car for no reason. And I was just like, she was so Aww. good. But it's like, there are days where you are, where you are just, where you feel broken, where you feel tired, where you feel like you don't know what you're doing, where you, where you have thoughts like, why am I doing this? But there is a reason why parents do it again. And why people have multiple children because they just absolutely love it. Like I'm happy with one. I'm glad I've done it. I really am content just being a mum of one and two dogs. That is for me. But I, I honestly think it is you. Every day you are th- you are going through such a, a, a complex set of emotions. You can feel the the greatest joy and the deepest despair in the matter of an hour. You can have one hour that's good and the next hour yeah. you feel, oh, you're like, why have I done this? But that is parenting. And the more she grows up, the more I'm in love with her. And I didn't think it was possible to love her more than the previous day. And you've always got to remember if you're going through such a shit time at the moment, one of my friends messaged me on Instagram the other day saying, do you have any um, recommendations of a doula? My friend's going through a really hard time. And it just... Oh, it hits me like I feel like I've been punching the stomach when I feel like when I hear somebody else is going through it because I've been through it and 
and it's so important mm-hmm. to have help around you whether that's family or friends that I was in, I had her in the middle of the pandemic I didn't have that support which is why we hired help because we were, were legally allowed to have professional help in the pandemic but it's so important to have support from your partner or your friends or your family because it really does take a village and if you are in the throes of postnatal depression or just in the thick of the early newborn days which are so apocalyptic for you and your partner like just remember that it's a phase yeah. and you do your feelings change as quickly as your children do they really do and i i can speak from somebody who's gone through the worst feelings i've ever gone through the you know the deepest despair that parenting can bring but i've come out the other side and the older now it gets the more i'm enjoying her and interestingly enough i did a poll on instagram saying on her first birthday saying have i got through the hardest part and it and it was a 50 50 split you know half of parents were saying you definitely have from now on it's like it's plain sailing you're gonna love it the older she gets the more joy she's gonna bring you and for others they said no the first year is actually the easiest so it'll be interesting to see how the next year goes okay you know what continued success with everything you are tremendous i love following you on social media i love our conversations and um i'm loving watching you fall in love with being a mum even the tricky bits thank you thank you a huge thank you to my wonderful guest kate lawler her book is out now can't recommend it enough and uh if you want more great conversations with guests like her uh, then pile into our back catalogue it's heaving with greatness even if i say so myself uh she mentioned uh, anna whitehouse in our chat there mother pucker she's in our back catalogue as is fern britain hannah waddingham emma willis and giovanna fletcher sally Lindsay, alan cumming gary barlow richard and judy i mean i could go on thank you as always for lending us your ears and to ben robbins and the yahoo studios team who produced the show with me uh, we'll be back next friday with more great chat until then take care Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.